Welcome to Rejuvenated Women, Impeccable Health for High-Performing Women. Each week, we feature interviews, information, and inspiration that will motivate you to transform from overwhelmed, overworked, and overweight to vibrant, energetic, and on fire. My name is Dr. Alex Swenson-Ridley, selfless syndrome expert, board-certified women's health coach, alternative medicine practitioner, retired chiropractor, wife, mom, and entrepreneur. I specialize in health for busy and driven women. Listen weekly as I share the tools, perspective, and knowledge you need to lose weight, boost your energy, and fall in love with yourself so that you can serve the world with an even bigger impact. Hello, welcome back to Rejuvenated Women, Impeccable Health for High-Performing Women. I am your host, Dr. Alex Swenson-Ridley, and I'm really excited to be joined today by Jessica Teachin, who is Vice President and General Counsel of Experitech Inc., which is, uh, she's also a Gallup Certified Strengths Coach, was recognized as a Gallup Top 10 Manager of the Year nominee in 2020, and is an Experitech three-time winner of the Gallup Exceptional Workplace Award. She's graduated from law school. She's worked as the VP at Xperia Tech. She's also a wife and mom to three children, including twin two-year-olds, and has done tons of work in the realm of female leadership and balancing the whole career, being in a male-dominated world, and you know, just figuring out life. So Jessica, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So I am excited for this conversation, even though it's it's less like zoned in on the health and wellness world. It's, you know, this round balance and how we really find our authentic selves inside of a male dominated world, I think is really important to our health. So I'm excited to dive into that with you. But before we start down that road, I'd love to hear just, you know, what's brought you to where you are in life, because obviously you've achieved a lot and are doing yeah. good things. So, so I um, actually, joined my organization because they were going through um, an acquisition at the time. So I came in to help with the legal side of it I, after after law school. Um, but the, the, the companies were growing really quickly after the acquisition and they had a need in the kind of HR talent management space. They didn't really have anything in that space historically. Um, so ultimately, I did a, a pivot and chose to, to move into kind of a, a talent management, I would think, I think my first title was talent development coordinator. Um, and then over the last 10, 11 years, I have just um, expanded. So, you know, I started with just talent management. Um, I took on um, our IT department. I took on our marketing, our customer service, our order management, um, and our project coordination team. So kind of all the supporting functions in the organization in addition to, you know, keeping legal and, and kind of the HR functions. And so um, I've just kind of slowly added onto my plate over the years. And, um, you know, like you mentioned, I also, you know, got married and had three kids during that time period. Um, and the thing that I'm like the most passionate about um, that kind of led me to this, this conversation um, in general is around helping, you know, people and especially women find that exceptional work-life experience. Um, and, and, and I believe that if you aren't doing well at both, they both suffer. Um, so you, you, they both impact each other so, so closely. And I've seen that so much with the, the women that work for me. Um, and so that's just really a, a passion of mine is to try to create not just the exceptional work experience, but also the life experience, because you need both to be successful in both. Absolutely. And I think it's, you know, I found for myself, it's, I don't really want to call it a pitfall, but it's like, you know, we, we, 
tell ourselves, you know, we, we can't really have it all. Like we have to give to one and, you know, inevitably we take away from the other. And so it's kind of like this pendulum that swings. And I love this idea of, you know, just finding the balance between the two. Um, Cause I know for myself, I, I struggled at times. Like I, I started my chiropractic practice when my son was just to give kind of my story and then we'll dive into this. You know, my yeah. son, he was six weeks old when I started my business and um, my marriage was really rocky. I ended up going through a divorce. So I, I built this nearly seven figure business, you know, as a single mom and I was really busy. I worked 68, 80 hours a week and other people kind of raised him in the early years. Like I had an in-office nanny, but, you know, and I hated parts of that, but I also found a way to, to make it work. Cause I recognized in myself that like I needed to work. I was never going, like, I was never going to be happy as a stay at home mom. And I, I know you can, and I'm sure there's lots of women <laughs> who feel that <laughs> as well, listening to this. And, you know, so it's acknowledging that side of ourselves and then, you know, finding that, that balance so that we're not feeling guilty or like we're a terrible mom or we're a terrible, you know, employer worker, like whatever, you know, in our, our, our role. So what advice or, or what things can you add to, you know, those who are still, cause I feel like it's a daily, you know, it's a daily struggle and, and I'm constantly like bringing awareness to my choices and I could literally work all day long and just have fun doing that, but I, I have to engage with my kid too. Yeah. So, so what, what tips can you bring to us for like starting down that road to just finding that exceptional? Yeah. So I think um, I'm the same way. And I always say that um, as a, I make a much better mom when I work all day because I'm more interested in playing with my kids than, you know, when I'm trying to be with my kids all day. Um, so, so we have a much happier, healthier relationship because the, I can really be focused on the play when I'm with them, um, and engaging with them in that way. And so that's really where I come from it, um, with, I do a lot in strengths cause I I've worked with Gallup and, and I'm a certified strength coach and finding what you enjoy, um, and how you can, um, take who you are and connect with your children, um, and connect that to the activities that you do with your children is kind of the secret sauce, I think, to, you know, really finding meaningful interactions there that pull, that make it so that you're more pulled to spend that time with your children and, and that you're realizing, okay, this is good, valuable time for me, one of my my strengths is maximizer. I like things to be great. Um, I like to make things great. So I really focus on helping my kids develop great skills. Um, and so that they can be growth minded and they can, you know, think a certain way. So I kind of use some of my skills and the things that I like at work with my kids. And then that, that draws me to those interactions. So that's one of the strategies I really use to your, you know, to your question, to, to pull me kind of out of the work world and in, into time with my kids. I love that. And I've been, um, it's been interesting. A lot of the women I've been coaching recently, you know, some of them have like families of seven or, you know, just a lot of kids. And at, at a certain point, especially when you hit the teenage years, I think that knowing those personality differences and like their strengths, as well as your strengths, mm. make all the difference in how yeah. like a stress, less, less stress, less stressful. <laughs> mm-hmm. experience. I've got teenage stepsons that, you know, it, it's taken me a while to get to know them, to like, be able to speak to them in a way that it lands well, and it doesn't always still, but, um, right. So I, I think that's a great tip. And, and a lot of those skills, like especially those of us in the work world, those things that we learn about, you know, being part of a team, managing a team, like leading other people, we can completely apply it at home. And I think that's a really great 
way to just like continue to practice and still have that connection to our own drive and growth. Yeah. Cool. So I really like that. Um, and what have you found? We can keep talking about the, the work-life balance, like how, so (laughs) one of the things I've struggled with a lot is like, I'll get so pulled into a project or especially being an entrepreneur, you know, it's like, there's times where like, you just have to work and it's hard to shut that off. So what tips do you have? Like, I, I like bringing part of work, like into your relationship with your kid, you know, in that, that realm, but is there any other things that have helped you, you know, like be done with work when you get home so that you can connect? Yeah. I think that that is an extremely big t- challenge and it has been worse over the last year. You know, I've, I've, um, had employees who've worked for me, you know, nursing babies during meetings, kids on their laps. Like we've been through kind of all of that where it's really hard to separate the two. Um, One of the things that I've worked really hard to do is to like designate when it's kid focused time and when it's work focused time. Now my kids are pretty young. So for me, um, when they get home from from school or or daycare um, until they go to bed, it's about two, two and a half hours of time. So that window is kind of their window. And and I, you know, even if I'm not done with work, I, I stop doing that work and I will come back to it later um, and sacrifice, you know, maybe my time rather than the time that I have for, for my kids. So, you know, that is really kind of the boundary, um, you know, the boundary that I use um, to, to balance it. The other thing I tell my, my team a lot, cause I think there's the pull into work, but then there's also the pull of family and, and the fear of not doing enough at work or not, not meeting those expectations. And one of the things that I, I think is really hard for women to learn and, and, and engage with is acknowledging that it's about the results, not all of the time that is put in um, and, and recognizing that, that in most cases, and I see this with my female employees all the time, you could get really good at getting things done in less time. And so, um, you know, so if you can do that, don't assume you've got to put in a whole bunch of extra time just because, um, because, because all of our male counterparts aren't necessarily doing that. Um, they might be doing email late at night, but it may be to avoid bedtime, not because they actually need to be doing, you know, email at that time. Yeah. Okay. So let's dive into this. Cause this, I think this is a really interesting conversation is just the differences between men and women in the workplace and in how we approach leadership and our roles and all this. Cause I, I know I learned a lot. I've had two males who worked for you know, for me and, and one of them's continued to share space with me, but no longer directly works for me. And it's just, uh, it's really different. I, I have to say, so, you know, being a female in more of a male, it sounds like you have quite a, f- a few female employees in my I have a number who work for me. So because I'm in a lot of the supporting functions, I have quite a few um, women who work for me, but my, I also have my team manager who, who is a, uh, a male who works for me. Um, but the bulk, I mean, my organization is 75% men and all of the leadership team, except for me, um, are men. So let's talk about you and your rise into that role that you've created for yourself. Cause I, I think it's, we can get into that whole thing. One of my like big passions is 
transforming the conversation of like male and female inequality and, you know, especially across pay structure and like maternity leave and all that stuff. But that's like, you know, we're getting bigger than what we need to talk about here. But, you know, for you, because I also work with a lot of women who, and a lot of women who listen to the show are in leadership roles. They're, you know, either entrepreneurs or they're, they're leading an organization similar to you. So just kind of share your journey of what it was like to, you know, rise into that position well, getting married and having kids and still being a woman. Yeah. So, I mean, I actually, so my kids are pretty young, like my son's five. So I was very much in the vice president leadership role um, prior to having kids, which um, through the whole process, I regretted Um, not because I, you know, regretted having my kids, but wishing I'd had them before I got to that point. Um, because it is, it is really hard and it is really challenging. Um, and, you know, so navigating, you know, leadership meetings, um, you know, where, where I'd have to leave to go, to go pump, um, you know, and, and call back in and, and all just the crazy things that you have to go through that no one else on, on the leadership team really has any experience or even understanding of, um, mm-hmm. is, is just really, really tough. Um, and so, you know, I think I learned a lot and have a lot of empathy now for, you know, women in the workplace. And, and after I went through a lot of what I went through, I put in some places and some things internally to try to, to change our practices. So, you know, for example, we put in an additional two weeks of paid um, leave for our male employees, actually, for parental leave. Because, you know, I was adamant about after having my son, every man should be home for the first two weeks with the, with his wife, like they need to be there. Um, and I remember my male counterparts, you know, my, my other leadership team members saying, you know, what if he doesn't want to be there? And I said, and I was like, I don't care, he needs to be. And so we're going to give that time off. Um, and I can't tell you the number of, of, you know, male employees and their spouses who've said like that that has made just a huge difference in their family life, just being there for those first two weeks without having to think about work. So I think for me, like to to answer your question, I think the learning and going through that myself has has helped me to see where practices and policies and decisions that we make as an organization that really as as women leaders, we're the only ones in a position to advocate for those changes. And so it's important that we do, um, even at the risk of getting into some of the conflicts that you inevitably have as you as you make those change or as you bring those changes. Yeah. No, I, I love, like just in hearing you talk about that, you know, that is like something that no male would probably ever think to bring to the table, right? Like that's just, it's not part of their reality, their vocabulary at all. My, you know, my husband works, he's the CFO of a multi-million dollar nonprofit organization up here, but it's just like in talking to him about some of the stuff, it's so male dominated and just, you know, like families kind of that thing that's at home that they don't really, you know, think about. Whereas it sounds like you're creating more of that culture of having family like be acknowledged. Well, and I I think in that instance, too, one of the reasons I did that was there's a lot of research that shows that if fathers are there in those first two weeks, it has a long term impact. So their comfort level with the babies, their involvement, all of those things. So to me, 
it's it's both a good personal decision, but a good business decision because the more that they they their family functions help in a healthy way, the more that they're healthy in that engagement with their kids, the better long term you know employee they're going to be. The better the, the, there's going to be fewer negative impacts in the long term. So to me, there's a there's a good business case there. You just have to kind of get your your you know your head around it and think about how do you how do you bring that you know, different perspective. Um, the same thing kind of came up with um, with having female employees who want to work remotely longer, which obviously now because of the pandemic, we kind of make that point is more moot. Um, but historically, there was this resistance to, you know, being remote. Um, and I don't I don't think they all realized, you know, and, and at one point, um, you know, I, I actually pumped you know, for my twins in meetings, I, I had the the ones that like, you know, can go in your bra and I pumped standing up in front of a room doing training, sitting in leadership meetings. Um, and, you know, and I said to them, like later on, I said, you know, it was so much easier for me to feed two babies and still talk to you all than having to do you know, all that pumping. And so I took leadership calls while feeding both my twins at the same time, you know, responding to, to conversation on the phone. And, um, and to me, that's serious dedication and commitment. And um, if I'm not, you know, there in, in face, that's a minor trade off for the commitment that women can bring when they're willing to do that when they're willing to, to engage at that level. Yeah. That's, I'm just picturing you standing in front of a room with bumps on. That's amazing. Oh my God. But, so nervous. <laughs> but that the LV pump, it's like super quiet and you can't tell. And I was so nervous the first time I did it. And, but I was like, okay, I, I don't have a choice. Like I have to like, or I can't get through this training or I won't be in this meeting. Like I don't, I don't have a choice. So I just, I just put it on and I, and I did it. And I didn't tell them till later. And I was like, yeah, I pumped through that whole meeting. So, you know, and they've gotten more comfortable with it now, too. I had a one of my female, uh, all my female employees have had babies recently. So one of them, we were doing a talent review and she goes, I got to turn the camera off. I got to feed Charlie. And so she like turns her camera off. She's feeding her son just keeps going. Um, and so we're kind of changing the norm of what to expect um, over time in our in our organization. Yeah. And, I, you know, I love that like not that it's all about you, but you've kind of been the driving force to just bring this more female centric version of leadership and making it all work. Like, you know, cause I was my own boss. I had a three hour lunch and that was when we nursed and cause I, I nursed my son for two and a half years. Um, and you know, we nursed, we took a nap, we, we did what we needed to do. I patients were fine waiting if I had to right. feed the baby quick or, you know, and I just kind of made it, made it work. And it was just part of our, our culture. Um, and so, you know, you're really describing like a great office culture that's becoming more accepting and more of, you know, fulfilling for a female to work there. Like, you know, your organization sounds awesome. And I don't think it happens. I don't think it, I don't think, and that's where I said, you know, not not to make it about me again, but like, like there's nobody else in a position to bring that perspective or drive that change. You know, nobody else you know, can take that risk to this in the same way. Um, and so I kind of feel like as women leaders, we like have to take those risks. Like yeah. we have to be willing to lean in and say the right things at the right time because, because the guys in the room aren't like, they're just not even going to think about it. 
Yeah. And, you know, that's a really important point because I meet so many women leaders who are just so afraid to, like, even in leadership roles, we can be afraid to speak up. You know, we worry about saying the wrong thing or how's it going to be taken or, you know, think that things just are never going to change, but they can. And you're proof of that. And I, I love that. That's super inspiring. So. Yeah. Whittle, you got to whittle away at it though. You know, yeah. like have this conversation, have this, you know, and it's one step forward, one step forward and just kind of keep progressing it. I love it. Um, and let me ask you this question because, you know, we're talking about this. So how do you lead with courage and vulnerability? And I would say authenticity because you're staying true to your female self as well through all of this. So like, what's, what's the key there? Yeah, I would say, so this is something that has been a challenge. It's taken, it's taken a, a, a time to get to that point. Um, because early on I was, um, I struggled with feedback. I struggled with, um, you know, with how I was perceived or, you know, how successful I was, I was being. Um, and, and I actually got feedback on one of my, my employee surveys early on where there was uh, a lack, they, they indicated like my, my level, the level of trust wasn't as high as it needed to be. And that hit me really, really hard at the time. Um, and it took me a while to come back and say, okay, but I've got to, be vulnerable enough to say, okay, but that's real. And what am I doing that's causing that? And, and what do I need to change about myself instead of just about the people that work for me? Um, and so I, you know, worked really hard to try to, you know, be willing to share those things, those, those, you know, vulnerable moments and to come from a place of, you know, this is my experience um, rather than a place of you have to, you have to think like I do, um, but just trying to explain my experience or my, my perspective. Um, and, um, and, and I found that the more that I do that, the more that I open the door, the more that the people that work, you know, for me, but with me, you know, do the same. Um, and we trust each other and we can engage on a, in a much more productive you know, conversation and, and the outcomes are much better. So it kind of reinforces itself as you start to, to make progress. Yeah. And I know that first step is, is scary, but I believe, you know, what you just described is true leadership. Like we have to be willing to be vulnerable and to not like I, I had a office manager that was very black and white, like lorded it over everybody, you know, like you do this because I say so. There's like nothing like me. And I'm like, that's not leadership. That's bullying. <laughs> this is, you know, you have to, and it can be scary, but when you do, you know, bring some vulnerability to it, like put yourself out there and in that kind of a way, people are automatically drawn into that. And I think you create the culture and the climate where you can have change, where you can have conversations that, you know, move things forward. So that's really cool. And for anyone listening, you know, if so I, I coach a lot of women through like, they're either afraid of making change or they're afraid of how they'll be perceived, or they're afraid of, you know, if it's even worth doing something, saying something, any, like if it's just going to fall on dead ears and it might, but you have to be willing to do what you need to do to, start the conversation anyways. So. Yeah. And the, I don't think you get rid of the fear. So I don't think, you know, to, to me that I'm going to still experience that. I'm still going to go through, you know, I love Brene Brown's like shame storm, you know, yeah. terminology. I'm still going to go through that. Um, 
but I am going to do it willingly because I know that I need to. Um, and, um, you know, I, I don't, I don't necessarily have, you know, obviously all the answers, but I think you're, you're dead on that women, you know, that fear of judgment and that fear of how you'll, you'll be, you know, perceived. And I think the thing that I noticed or am noticing, maybe I'm more in the middle of it is that, um, it's not that the men in the room don't also have that same experience. They just hide it very well and move, move right through it. And so, um, so, you know, don't, don't sacrifice your own confidence and your own, you know, ability to bring that courage or to make that statement and, and automatically assume it's not going to go anywhere. It can. Yeah, absolutely. And it just takes a willingness to, jump yeah yeah so any last thoughts or tips uh for women who are either struggling with courage or you know trying to find that balance to make it especially like 2020 2021 has been like (laughs) total chaos for everybody um my son finally went back to school and I'm like but um you know just finding that that balance where like it's okay to be working mom it's okay to have be a leader it's okay to you know let our our selves be vulnerable in some way um in that environment like any last tips that you can share yeah i mean i think that um i think that in general women um you're going like as a woman in the workplace you're gonna go through that experience so like I think the first is just like being gentle with yourself going through it is, is saying, you know, okay, I'm going to have days where I feel like I'm abandoning my children and I'm going to have days where I feel like I'm failing at work, but then trying to figure out the strategies that reduce those times. Um, And so really, I think paying attention to the moments where that happens, where you feel either, either like you're not doing good enough at work or you're not doing good enough at home. And then, and then, going through, okay, why is that? And what, um, what is causing that, that feeling? And is it real? You know, because I think a lot of times it's not real. It's, it's just a self-conscious, you know, response. And, and actually we're doing a great job, maybe even a better than great job. Um, and at both, um, and we're just hard on ourselves because we want to be, be better. or We, we want to push, push more and there's doubt there. So I think, there's that and trusting in ourselves. And then I also think when it comes to work, the most important thing is to keep really good track of your progress and what you're accomplishing so that if there's ever a doubt about what you're getting done, how you're getting it done, how effective you are, you can you can reassure yourself and others uh, of what it is you're you're getting done. I think sometimes we move so fast we forget everything that we're doing and we don't give ourselves credit for it. So you know I think that is a really good exercise to whatever using whatever system works to really keep track of what those things are that you're accomplishing, so that when those moments happen you can point to that. Absolutely, and that's such a common thing, especially with over high achieving women. Um, you know, we're just like next and it's like, Oh wait, but you did this huge project and you got this huge thing done or like, and I'm constantly like, you know, do something for yourself. And another thing you brought up, you know, when you're feeling off kilter in either, either place, or maybe it's both at the same time, like look at self-care. That's the other thing. You know, sometimes Mm -hmm. we need to actually take some time for ourselves in order to be a better mom and a better employee and a better 
business owner. Um, and that's actually like, it, it took me a really long time to frame this this way, but when I take care of myself, it's actually working because it's, you know, doing like it's productive towards something because it makes me a better mom and wife and, um, doctor for the people I, I work with and coach and business owner. So, yeah, I think, I think with that too, you've got to find your version of that. Cause I've seen yeah. a lot of, of, you know, uh, you know, or I've had people tell me like, you need to take more baths or you need to do, you know, whatever it is. And, um, but that's not what works for me. That's not what, you know, you know, what fills me up. And, and only recently where I really started working on writing for my book, did I realize that that's really what's for me because that's what, what makes me happy and gives me energy and, um, kind of rejuvenates me and what it probably looks like work to other people. But to me, that's my, that's for, for me, that's for my, you know, my well being and, and what I enjoy. So I think everybody kind of has to uh, learn what that is and not assume that what works for somebody else is what you should be, you know, you should be doing. I don't, I don't, spend a lot of time with friends or at cocktail hours or, or doing things like that. You know, it's, that's just not in the scope of what's most important to me, you know, right now. Um, and, but I do make time for other things, um, that are, that fit within, in what's important to me. Yeah. I love that. And I'm glad you brought up that distinction because that reminded me of one other thing I was just wanted to touch on. And then we can talk about your books. I know you're writing a book. Um, but that is, you know, what really works for us and what society dictates. Because I think a lot of our issues, especially as working moms, is like, you know, there's still the society that thinks women should stay home and keep the house clean and and all this stuff. And that I found so much freedom when I just let all that go. <laughs> like, yeah. not like my house is a disaster, but like, you know, hired somebody to help clean and don't worry about if you don't finish all the dishes. Like some of that stuff we have to let go of and stop attaching to like what everyone else says we should be doing and really tune into what we need and what works for us and just be okay with it. Yeah. And I, I got to add one thing onto that. Like yeah. I like to call it like the Facebook mom, you know, that does all the like perfect made for picture moments. I am, I can't do that. Like I just, that's the thing I have to, I have those moments. Those moments happen. I don't catch them on camera. I don't make sure to post them. You know, it's, it looks messy. You know, I've got my Friday night dance party, you know, or whatever, but I don't have the pictures at the pumpkin patch. And, you know, I'm lucky if we make it to a pumpkin patch, we probably won't, you know, it's, it's, it's one of those, you know, you, yeah, you got to do what, what works, you know, what really, really works for you. One other thing that popped into my head there in terms of advice too, I think is, always take your maternity leave on that point with kids is always, if you have the leave, take it. Cause my, with my first son, I went back after six weeks and gosh, I still regret it to this day. And I even got that advice and I didn't listen to it. Um, cause I thought, Oh, I want to be back. And I did want to be back, but I wasn't ready to be back. Um, with my girls, it, that wouldn't have even been remotely feasible with, with twin girls, but um, you know, take the time that you need. It's one time in your life or a limited number of times in your life um, that that you make that sacrifice so that you can be there with, with your kids. So that's that's just something, you know, when it comes to women in general, I really think that's important. Hey, and I'm hoping someday they actually give us maternity leave in this country. 
not just based on a company, but like nationwide. Yeah, no, well, I, I don't know if you watched Biden's speech last night, but like that was my big like, oh, I hope that comes. I hope that really happens. Like we really need need to have that. Um, it's just I have Canadian friends who get a whole year and they're like, yeah. you only have 12 weeks. And I'm like, 12 weeks because our company does do paid um, for yeah, 12 we weeks. Yeah. It was like, I was like, that's pretty good. Like 12 weeks paid is pretty good, actually. And they're like, what? Like, how can you even get back? You can't work after 12 weeks. I mean, it's yeah, yeah. different world. Yeah. Literally every other country has about a year of paid time off. And yeah. if you have twins, it's actually longer. Um, I met a woman in Canada who was going to, I think it take almost two years with her twins. And yeah. Well, and my, my twins had health issues. So yeah. my girls couldn't tolerate um, formula. So when I tried to give myself some break in terms of nursing, um, cause it's hard to nurse twins. Um, you know, they couldn't, they got sick off of the form formula. They had, um, something called F pies. And so, um, when I tried to get back, I took four months for my twins. And when I tried to get back, I just kept failing um, because I was still up all night. I was still feeding two babies. It was draining me. Um, and, you know, the work that it took to get pump stuff together to get back to where I mean, it was just it was a really, really tough time and a really, really tough process. Um, and I, I think, you know, I think it's just the, the flexibility needs to be there because it's because of how complicated it is and because of, of, of those challenges that, that exist. And even my, me and my role, you know, I worked for the CEO and he, you know, he said to me, you know, when I asked for more flexibility for continued flexibility, he said to me, you know, well, what are we going to say to other employees that you're getting continued flexibility? And I looked at him dead in the eye and I said, we're going to say that I asked for a reasonable accommodation because I did, because my girls have a health issue that's impacting me. And, and this is reasonable for me to be able to work from home a few days a week. Like that's a reasonable accommodation. And he was like, okay, good. Sounds good. Like, so don't be, you know, don't hesitate to like make the statement that I need that accommodation. It is reasonable. Awesome. So before we wrap up, just share a little bit about this book that you're writing and when we can expect it out. Yeah, so um, I'm hoping to get it out in the next eight to twelve weeks. So I'm I'm about um, a little more than halfway done, and I've, I'm working with a, a publisher on it. Um, it is uh, about exceptional work and life experience. So how to achieve extraordinary performance um, in a challenging world, um, and how if we can do those things, if we can look at our performance, and when I say performance, not just performance at work, but performance as our as mothers, as spouses, um, you know, as leaders in our communities, and all the different roles that we serve, if we can think about and be consciously improving our performance in those areas, how it'll help us live an exceptional work um, and life experience. And that really the lessons we learned in 2020, and there are really good lessons in 2020, if we can, um, if we can process them and put them into work, um, that that if we can move those forward, it is within our grasp, probably more so now than ever before. Now that we know that, you know, we can work remotely. And now that we know that we can do things differently than we did before, that doesn't have to continue to be the hurdle that it's been in the past. And so I really want to give people the tools that I've found and the lessons that I've, I've pulled from it to say, you know, anybody can do this and you can live a better life if you do it. So that's that's kind of my my goal and my objective and 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 hope to 
hope to have it here here finished soon and, and out for people to get. Awesome. Well, I look forward to it. And once it's done, I'll put links to where they can get it in the show notes. But awesome. thank you so much for joining me and having this conversation that's just near and dear to my heart. So yeah, thank you. Yeah. It was a lot of fun. And uh is there any any other way women can connect with you if they just felt a connection through what you shared? Yeah, absolutely. I, I love for people to reach out on LinkedIn. Um, I've also got um, a website out there, jessicateachin.com. So anybody can can message me through that as well. I put up um, articles periodically, you know, either around, um, you know, challenges of, of women or, or except, you know, around performance and, and, and work in life. So, um, yep, you can reach out to me through, through either of those. Awesome. I'll put those in the short show notes. All right. Thank you so much again. Yeah. Thank you also. Thank you for tuning in to Rejuvenated Women, Impeccable Health for High-Performing Women, where we provide you with the tools, information, and inspiration you need to transform from overwhelmed, overworked, and overweight to vibrant, energetic, and on fire. If you enjoyed the show, please head over to iTunes to subscribe and leave us a review. Each month, I will select one lucky subscriber to receive a special Impeccable Health sample kit from me. Also, I don't want to be working with you on your health only once or twice a week. I want to be in this conversation and in the trenches with you every single day. I invite you to join me at www.emergentwomenih.com for even more information, inspiration, and motivation to transform your health and become vibrant, energetic, and on fire. Until next time, remember to keep putting yourself first so that you can better serve the ones you love and the things you are passionate about.